Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Oh boy, I was listening to the news. Man, how heartbreaking is it when you hear about anybody taking their own life? And a young person, what did he mention? How many suicides in the Midwest School District? Two recently, five overall? Oh, couple just, of the last I mean, couple of weeks, yeah. Yeah, it just, it just rips your heart out. All right. It goes back to what we were talking about last hour with the effects yeah. of social media in our youth and yeah. how some people, they just feel bigger, stronger, that they can say anything when they got a keyboard in front of them and not even thinking about the emotions and feelings of other people. Uh, we're going to get more back into that in just a few moments. First of all, we will get to our play-by-play call of the day. The great Mike Lang and Jake Gensel. Swing it to the Penguin zone. Down the right wing. Evgeny Dadnoff cuts inside. The Penguin stop him. On the puck, though, Borkstrom of Florida. To Mike Matheson. He lost the puck. Crosby's out of gas. Feather it ahead. Trying to get to it is Gensel. Walks in on goal. Comes with a backhander. And the Penguins have won it here. Three to two. And ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building. Unreal ending. Mike Lang with a call on the Penguins radio network. Uh, and uh, most people in Broward County in Florida had no idea that the Panthers lost last night. All right. So, uh, <laughs> not a big hockey area. I think they have, they and Carolina have the worst attendance in the league. Uh, from listener uh, from uh, Troy Zimmerman, great segment on social media and Twitter. If I can't catch a Penn State game on the radio, I usually follow it on Twitter. Again, see, there's the positive use of it. People can be harsh to say the least on Twitter about the young men and women who are performing. Twitter fingers can be very mean, things people wouldn't say to someone's face. That is that is the issue with the negativity of it. Uh, I, I think he's hit it right on the on the head. There's he hit the positive part where he can follow the game on Twitter, and then he hit the negative part about those who happen to make those happen to make the comments to which I refer to as snarky. If you're a young person, um, look, it could be anybody. I, you know, everybody, you know, everybody's built differently. Okay, and so there are people who are my, my age that get very sensitive about things they hear about themselves or whatever, because everybody is built differently. But for young people in particular, where you're just trying to find your way in life, well. It goes back to what I was talking about in the previous hour to open the show. And I've talked to my students about this. And I've talked to my students about this for a long time. 
for a long time. This is not something that's been recent. Because we've had, uh, obviously, over time, before Twitter, and it still continues today, but message boards and so forth, you know, message boards, there's, there's more anonymity as to who's posting. I said, look, you don't want to pay attention to any of that stuff. Hey, you know, praise, you know, overpraise is a poison that makes you think you're way better than you are and you don't have to work as hard. I said, then the flip side is the criticism is, you know, it's something that makes you think too much. And the last thing you want to do is start thinking about what you're doing, trying to please some anonymous individual. Uh, you know, as individuals, we have to do a really good job of having confidence and betting on ourselves. Okay, we have to have a, a they have to do a better job of having confidence and betting on ourselves every day. I'm going to be the one. I'm going to go in. I'm going to you know I'm going to be the best salesperson. If it turns out that this person over here is better in a particular day or whatever, okay, so be it. But guess what? I'm going to be a major contributor to what's going on. I'm going to be a major contributor to what's going on in my own household. You know, bet on yourself. And you know, you know, you do if you're really good at what you do. You are going to get to the point in your life or your career where you don't need somebody to tell you when you're doing it right because you'll be the first person to know and realize it, and you won't need somebody to tell you that you're doing it wrong because you'll also be the first person to realize it. Right? That's where it comes in. You don't need the affirmation from anybody else to do it because at some point, if you become proficient you know, you know, we all make mistakes, but you know, being proficient at home, being proficient as a parent, being proficient as a spouse, being proficient as a worker, you know, as time goes and you gain more experience at all of it, you're going to be the first person to realize when you've done something wrong, but you're also going to be the first person to know we've done it right. You don't need anybody to point it out to you. The problem is with young people is they don't understand that because they haven't lived long enough to realize that, and they also maybe have not developed a proficiency in anything yet. They're still growing. And that's why you know, we talk about the social media part, and we go back to the NBA. You're talking about 19 to 23-year-old guys. This goes back to the Adam Silver comment. Oh, hey, cry me a river. You're making $30 million. But they are leading a lonely existence. They're all... Essentially, yeah, they're on a team, but they're all independent contracts. They're their own brand, and they've got people, you know. Hey, and and I'll let me give you an example, Sean, of where I think you're going to see the potential. It's not absolute, but I'm doing a little guessing here. The potential for more snarkiness on Twitter or Instagram, whatever it may be. The more and more gambling is introduced into states, you know, it doesn't matter if it's the $25 bet, the $100 bet, the $10,000 bet, whatever it may be. What will happen is that when your personal performance starts affecting somebody financially, see where I'm going, Sean? Your personal performance affected him. Jimmy missed that jump shot. The the spread was six. The final was seven. 
I didn't bet the right way. Now, exactly how enamored are you with Jimmy at that point? See where I'm going here? Yeah. And I, I'm saying that, that there's a the potential. I'm not saying it's absolute, but there's a potential for people to be even snarkier about something because they have, have placed, I don't care if it's a $10 bet, their own little personal stake. I think, ah, Jimmy cost me 10 last night. I'm using small numbers now. Um, he cost me 10 last night. He cost me 100 last night. Well, are you going to sit there and you're going to love Jimmy? Uh, no. Are you tempted because he missed that jump shot with five seconds to go that could have swung the point spread? And now, I'm not talking about winning or losing the game here, Sean. I'm talking about did you swing the point spread? Boy, I'll tell you right now, I wish Sean McVay would go for two here. Spread seven. <laughs> See? And I think of Herm Edwards saying. during his ESPN days. It's like, hey, wait two seconds before he hits send. It, just, it could make other people that are, you know, going down a spiral of maybe spending, you know, <laughs> betting more money, you know, than than they, than they should, right. and they're gonna they're gonna post and tweet stuff they're gonna soon regret. And who knows? Like, you know, that can put a stake on your integrity and your professional career because you got more companies now looking and seeing what you're doing on social media as part right. of their vetting process. Exactly, but you're also playing mind games with a person who ends up reading it that it's about them. And we were just talking about young people and how young people are affected by this. I mean, all the personality shaming that happens, all the body shaming that happens. I mean, damn people. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a tough time for a young person. Well, we go to the NBA. You got 19 year olds in there. Okay, you're out of high school. And there's going to be a point probably starting in 2022 where they're going to be just out of high school again. <clears throat> Can they emotionally handle it? Imagine being somebody, you know, let's let's keep it in a sports realm. How often do we take the time and refer to that, well, that guy's a bust. Okay, so you're 24 and you're a bust? There should be nobody on the planet at the age of 24 that's a bust in life. You may not have been the best football player or baseball player going, but you may end up being a great business person before it's all said and done. You're only 24. You've still got your chance. Following the NFL draft every year, we hear about the NFL rookie symposiums. It just makes you wonder, once we get to that one-and-done or out-of-high-school situation, uh, high school to the NBA, if NBA rookie symposiums are going to ramp up their conferences and seminars to make sure their young players stay on the straight and narrow and do the right thing. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, and universities, for example, are spending more time dealing with student athletes about social media. And it's very difficult to keep young people off their phones. For some reason, I have no problems. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um <laughs> You probably wonder why it takes me so long to get back to you on stuff. Oh, I got to look at that. It's very rare. I actually, uh, I think the most I saw you have your phone in your hand, it was last year at the Purdy tournament. But you're out on the course the whole morning, and you're just catching up on messages and that kind of thing. And But that's the most I'd seen you have your phone in your hand, and it was, probably was less than 20 minutes. <laughs> but you had a small, small window period of time in between things you were doing to check up on stuff. 
Well, I was checking up on stuff because we needed it for the show. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, that's why you're doing it. Meanwhile, of course. Yeah, you were not on Snapchat with Hammer. Make that perfectly clear. Neither one of us knows what the heck that means. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean, neither one of us knows I gave, what that means. I gave up on Snapchat. I, I tried to open up an account, and I could not figure it out. And I'm thinking, okay, I think it's official. I'm getting old now. I can't figure this out. <laughs> Kyle Alexander, forget about it. Actually, when Sarah Bartlett worked here before she left for San Diego, she was a whiz with Snapchat. Really? Yeah. I uh, don't look at me. I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> it's just the way it is. The Sean, only difference no is with clue. Instagram, Snapchat lets you uh, post like bursts, like little. It used to be you could post like little quick eight, ten second video bursts, and I would think they probably expanded it now. Like like when Twitter went from one forty to two hundred and eighty characters, I think with Snapchat it lets you, you know, post longer video clips. I just like talking to people. Yeah. You and I talk. Yeah. And we talk. Refreshing. Yeah, you know, but years ago, okay, I'll give you an example. Um group of us were out at dinner. Roger, Jeff, Derek, Jack, me. Five of us were out at dinner on the road. And this was I don't know, I think it was two years ago. And Jack looks at me. He says, "Hey, by the way, what time is it?" And I said, "I don't know." He says, "Well, check your phone." I said, "I don't have my phone with me." And he looks at me. He goes, "Oh, well, neither do I." He says, "Why don't you have your phone with you?" I said, "I don't like bringing my phone to dinner. I like to sit there and have conversations with people." And he says, "Oh my goodness, that's so refreshing." Because I mean, I didn't want. I mean, my only reason would be to bring the phone to dinner is in case something happened at home. They had to get a hold of me. But that would be it. I don't bring I don't bring my phone to dinner. I don't bring my phone to the dinner table because I just rather talk to people. And I remember years ago, there was a guy that wrote a book. I'm not going to give you the the name of the author uh, because it would be wrong. But I will give you the name of the book. the The book was entitled "Being Digital." Now, this interview goes back over 20 years. I want to say 21, 22 years ago. And at this point, email was really kicking in the high gear. So during the course of the interview, it was a TV interview, I said, how often do you email? And he says, I email four hours a day. And this is a guy that spends a lot of time in Europe, some in the United States, but a lot of time in Europe. And I said, four hours a day? So I followed up, and I asked him, I said, well, I said, what does that do for interpersonal relationships? Now, his answer was, look, it allows me to communicate with a lot of different people that I have relationships with. I said, well, I said, isn't part of communication the ability to read someone's expression, that they think something's funny, that something's serious, or they have a quizzical look as to what you're saying? I, you know, and he goes, well, no, not really. I said, well, for example, right now, I said, I'm looking at you, and you're not exactly enamored with where I'm going with the questions, <laughs> which was true. He wasn't. Uh, but I said that. And to me, that's that's part of communication. And also, I think that when you're standing there and you're talking to somebody, I you're not, you know, you talked about the ability to get behind a keyboard and say whatever you want. 
Well, would you actually say that to somebody's face? I don't know. It's I think, not like it's I all think bad. a lot of times in those in, in, in those situations you wouldn't. Now, most people are really good. And you know how I feel. I'm somebody who believes that most people are really good people. Uh, you know, and when they're using social media, for example, to um, uh, to talk about their family or something fun that they did, whatever. It's their way of communicating with their friends, the masses, and whatever. And that's that's fine. That's a perfectly that I, I completely appreciate that. But it's the it's the person that goes, well, you know. Um, Steve Jones couldn't announce his way out of a paper bag. Now, of course, you you know me. I mean, what, what's my reaction? <laughs> did, did Steve read it? <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, so it doesn't really matter. But there may be somebody out there that follows their own name all the time, and it is not... Um, it ends up being detrimental to them emotionally. And that's what you have. I I think that that becomes a huge problem. Okay, we'll take a break. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. College basketball next half hour with Mike DeCourcy, who will join us on the show today. Get Mike's uh, read on the Big Ten, but also college basketball in uh, general. We'll talk with him and get uh, his thoughts on uh, where we are. So Minnesota last night beat Purdue. Do you think Minnesota has now done enough to make the tournament? Yes, I do. Look, the bubble is not very strong this year. That's what's so frustrating about Penn State's season because Penn State's analytics are great. I mean, they're 42-43 in the Ken Palm. They're 48, I think, in the net. Strength of schedule's two. ESP, ESPN BPI has Penn State's um, strength of schedule as a uh, as a one. That's why it's frustrating as to where they are right now because with a couple more wins with this bubble, they're right in the thick of the conversation. So, yeah, do I think Minnesota's done enough? Yes, I do, as a matter of fact. All right, we'll come back with Mike DeCourcy next half hour on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Jim? 
taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf in New Brunswick. Penn State will take on Rutgers tonight. By the way, what a great job Steve Peichel has done at Rutgers. And uh, should, uh, in my opinion, deserves a lot of credit for what he's done here. Very pleased to be, bring in old friend, uh, one of the great ones, Mike DeCourcy. Mike, great to have you with us again. Hi, Steve. A pleasure to talk to you again. Same here. Uh, I want to. I'd like to talk. Start with the the top of the Big Ten. Michigan State's had to overcome no Josh Langford. Now a left hand injury to Nick Ward. Matthews is out at the moment for for Michigan. How are you viewing the top of the Big Ten and maybe some of the jobs that John Beeline and Tom Izzo are doing, considering they've had to replace people? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, obviously uh, Matt, Matt Painter had to replace people in between seasons. He hasn't had the injury problems that the other guys are dealing with, but uh, he had to take and, and replace four seniors who were basically the heart of the program, the heart of the program's revival. So they've all done pretty impressive work. Uh, it, it, you need to see those teams, especially Michigan and Michigan State, get back to 100% if you want to talk, or, or as close as Michigan State can get, um, to talk about uh, you know, making a run in the NCAAs at the level they would like to and the level they would be capable of. But uh, you know, I think all three coaches have done an amazing job. And you know, last night, Richard Pitino uh, and, and Minnesota get the win over Purdue. And what they did do for all of us who love, you know, who who love college basketball and who are invested in the Big Ten is they made this weekend much more interesting because now that Michigan Michigan State game, it's not just a rivalry game. It's not just a game for speculative seeding on the Big Ten bracket and the NCAAs. Whoever wins that game is a Big Ten champion. It may not be the only Big Ten champion, but they will be. And, of course, if uh, Purdue goes to the Northwestern and wins a game they sh- they're expected to win, they're a Big Ten champion, too. So it made the weekend a lot more interesting for all of us. There's no question about that. It's also still interesting for several teams that are in the middle of this. How secure should uh, certain Big Ten teams feel that they're in the tournament at this point? You know, I'm a believer that when, when you look at the way the tournament uh, process is covered now, assumptions are made that I think are maybe a, a, a bit ambitious yes. uh, you know Minnesota's not in because they won last night they're in good shape because they won last night Yeah, but they're not in I mean if they go out and lose their next two games they're going to sweat the, the, the two three days four days whatever it would be between then and selection Sunday so you're a lock if you can lose all the rest of your games and you're in now that list <laughs> lengthens the closer we get to the end of the regular season because there's not a lot more losses out there so, I mean, like two weeks ago, maybe Virginia and Duke and, uh, and Tennessee fit that category. Maybe Michigan did. And now, you know, all those teams plus Carolina plus, uh, plus Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, and, you know, they, they can all, they're all going to get in no matter what they do from here on out. Uh, so, you, I, you know, I mean, Iowa and Wisconsin and all of them, I'm, you know, I think they can feel like you know, if you're a Wisconsin, you can feel like if you lose the rest, you can get in. But 
I don't think that uh, Oklahoma, because they beat Kansas last night, is a lock now. I mean, I think that's, that's an absurdity to suggest that or to believe that. And yet I've seen it in a lot of places after, uh, after the Sooners got Kansas at home last night. Oh, no, you and I both know that uh, we're in a world of jump on the bandwagon and assume uh, very quickly about something without seeing the full body of work. When you look at the Big Ten, Illinois has done some things in the second half of the season. Penn State's done some things in the second half of the season. Does that, in your opinion, speak to the depth of the conference? Yeah, it always has, Steve. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of conference play, near the beginning, maybe a week two in, uh, the Big Ten had such a great non-conference, an overwhelming non-conference, and there was a belief by a lot of people that the Big Ten would get ten teams into the field. I, I saw it a lot of places, and I said uh, at that point on Big Ten basketball and beyond, here's why that won't happen. Because in 2011, when the Big East got 11 out of 16 teams, the bottom four teams essentially beat no one other than each other. They might, right. they might have thrown like one win against the 11th place team. Uh, but they didn't beat anybody. They didn't bother anybody. They just hung out in their own neighborhood and, you know, and played cribbage or whatever. But they didn't beat anybody. And I, I knew that wasn't going to happen here because I knew what Penn State had. I knew what Illinois had. I knew what Rutgers had. And I knew they'd beat somebody. I didn't know they'd beat, in, in a way, everybody. I didn't think they were going to go out and beat Michigan, uh, Michigan State. Uh, I didn't think that was going to happen, and yet they did it. Uh, So they even superseded what I thought. But I knew that I knew Penn State was going to win games in this league. I knew that Rutgers was going to win games, and I didn't think that it would just be against Illinois, uh, Rutgers, and Penn State. And so the, the depth of this league is honestly the best I've ever seen in any league. And, and I, I you know, challenge anybody to bring another league around. The only one that would be comparable to me would be the Big East of 1991, when yes. they got seven out of nine in, and the eighth team had a case, too. That was Providence. They did not get in. But that year, you know, the difference was that that last place team, Boston College, again, didn't beat anybody. I think they finished with one league win. And so it, it helps to have somebody in the neighborhood who doesn't hurt you, who doesn't bother you, that you can just beat and not worry about it. This is also the first year that the Big Ten has gone to the 20-game model. The ACC will go to the 20-game model next year. Any initial thoughts on the expansion of conference games and whether other conferences should follow suit or not? Well, you know, I think that it makes your product stronger. It makes your internal product stronger. It makes your television uh, deals and asterisk. I work at the Big Ten Network, so anybody that thinks that um, that I'm saying that for my benefit, I mean, you're you have that you know you have that caveat. Uh, it, it I don't think it impacts. I don't think it has a negative impact on the season to play two to play 20 games. It, it, it has a negative impact on the bottom teams, the teams that struggle, uh, and and that's tr- you know and that can be true, not just of one team or the or the team that finishes last i mean it's it's had a it's had a negative impact at times on indiana nebraska now northwestern penn state when they started 0 and 10 it's hard and i think that what we need to see happen is an adjustment of expectations 
uh, not year to year, but overall. I mean, you have to understand it's harder now. And so you're not always, you know, I mean, maybe you're Kentucky, you're always going to win, but not everybody's always going to win. And, and so you have to be able to deal with every now and then you have a bum year. And if you have that year, you have to, you have to recover from it, obviously. But you can't say, oh, our, okay, we were in a tournament last three years, now we're under 500 and finishing 12th, time to move on. I mean, that's, that's just not realistic anymore. No, you're absolutely right. Completely agree with that. Uh, Zion Williamson has not played since since getting hurt. Obviously, he's a guy that is always going to be, just because of his dynamic play and personality, he's going to be a lightning rod for what's going on. How do you feel about one and done? How do you feel about the possibility of 18-year-olds uh, just going straight from uh, high school in, into a pro setting, whether it happens to be the NBA or the G League or Europe or China, whatever it may be? I mean, it's always been an option, and people act like it hasn't been. If you're 18 years old and you wanted to go to the G League, you always yeah. had that ability to do that. Emmanuel um, Moutier. Moutier went to China. And Moutier went to China. Brandon Jennings went to Italy. Uh, it was, yep. it, you, you know, people thought you had to leave the United States. No, nobody wanted to be in the G League. I mean, uh, a kid named Latavius Williams, who was going to go to Memphis yep. around 2010 or so, yep. maybe in 2009, um, didn't you know? Didn't end up going there and wound up in the G League. He never was. He never had a great, uh, successful career in in the states anyway. Uh, and so no one else tried it. There was a kid this past year, Darius Baisley, who talked about doing it, promised he was going to do it, and then when he got up to the altar, said, "Nah, I don't think I want to play in the G League." And then he spent the last year training rather than play at Syracuse. I, I just don't think it's good for basketball uh, for the NBA to abandon. Uh, its relationship to an extent with college basketball. And, and I'll tell you who else doesn't think it's good for basketball are the NBA scouts. They don't want to be going into high schools to try to find players. They don't want to have to try to judge Zion oh. Williamson against, you know, against uh, yeah. uh, guys like me. I mean, they, right. they want to be able to judge Zion Williamson against guys like Nasir Little. I mean, that's what they want. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And so he's doing this against the wishes of his of, of of the team executives for the most part. Now I know there are some exceptions, but the the, the I, I did a piece last year where I surveyed four NBA scouts about one and done, and every single one of them told me the same thing: that they want the opportunity to be able to judge guys based on real competition. And now they're being asked to not to do that, uh, to not have to not be able to do that, to judge a guy essentially against nobody. And it doesn't work. I mean, it, 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 that, that's a problem. The training of them is a problem. We saw that with Kwame Brown, guys yep. like uh, him and Andy Eby, and there were lots of guys who tried to go to the pros and couldn't make the transition because it was too great a leap. Uh, and, and then the other thing that people don't think about is the promotional angle. Yep. There are guys in the NBA now who have been in the NBA for more than a decade who are almost anonymous because they went straight from high school to the NBA and they've been good players but not great players in the league and the teams they've played for know who they are but sports fans don't know who they are you know, you know sports fans know who Zion Williamson is yeah, he's been he's a collegiate for four months and he's one of yep. the most famous athletes in America already 
Exactly. And that's exactly right. I mean, because if you handle it right, you can put yourself in a marketing position. I mean, with the second he decides to turn pro, Mike, you and I both know, he can sign a shoe contract just like that because everybody knows who he is. Uh, and and it, 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 that will be the beginning of it. There will be other products as well because he's had this incredible marketing opportunity of – 35, well, eventually, uh, of course, he's missed a few, so we got to trim that number down. 30 college yeah. basketball games that he's played in uh, and, and that he's had the uh, all been nationally televised, and he's had the opportunity to say, hey, I'm Zion, this is what I'm about, um, and people like what he's about. Uh, they like the enthusiasm. They like the smile. They like the, you know, the incongru- incongruity of him being – you know, six foot eight, two hundred and eighty pounds, and able to do the things he does athletically, and so he's, you know, I, I, the best way I can put it is uh, a week or two weeks ago, right after he got hurt, um, I was watching a game on ESPN, and that night uh, was I think it was the day after he got hurt, and they have the crawl at the bottom of the screen uh, that's, that, that starts with their thing they call the lead, which is the top stories of the day. And the number one story was Zion diagnosed with a grade, you know, mild grade one knee sprain or something like that, considered day-to-day. That was what it said. It did not say, sure. Steve, it didn't say Zion Williamson. It just said Zion. Because exactly everybody knows name. who he is now. Yep, he's Reggie. He's Reggie, you know, in the seventies. Everybody knew who Reggie was. Yeah. Uh, finally, uh, this before I let you go, Jim Delaney. Uh, now, Jim Delaney, of course, we know how much he loves college basketball. He played it for goodness' sakes. Right. So, from a basketball point of view, what kind of impact has Jim Delaney had as a commissioner on the sport of college basketball? Well, you know, he's been a leading voice in the game for a long time. And, and I will say that it's not been a perfect track record. Uh, he was a leading proponent in the early 2000s of the 5 and 8 rule, uh, which, was, uh, which didn't work. I, I right. hesitate to call it a disaster, but it was certainly a failed policy. And he was, as I said, a leading proponent of that. And it, it did not go well. But... I, you know, he did not stand in the way, or you know, and, and block the door of, of, of the decision to uh, to abandon that rule. Uh, he was, you know, he he realized, I think, that it didn't work for the Big Ten or anybody else. And, and it, in the in the decade of the 2010s, he has been a major force in making college basketball better. He has been so important to that. Uh, the, he's been on the uh, basically what is college basketball's competition committee. It's not the rules committee, but it's it's the it, they call it the oversight committee. Uh, and what they they were the, they are the ones responsible largely for the freedom of movement movement uh, and why we're seeing actual basketball being played again. Whereas for about ten years, the game had gotten so. Handsy and so physical yes, that yes. you couldn't see any. You you just didn't see any pure basketball played any longer, or very little. And we're seeing it again in nineteen. Excuse me, in two thousand and thirteen, they scored points that season. All, all of college basketball scored points that season at a nineteen fifty two pace. Yep. It, it, I mean, that, it was it was a joke. And it, Jim was a major part of 
saying, okay, we got to get this stopped. We got to get people to stop using their hands on D. We got to stop bumping cutters. That was, that was a terrible thing uh, for the game. And they've gotten almost all of that out. I mean, you can't ever take it all out. Uh, but you've ta- they've taken a lot of it out. And, and we've seen scoring go from 67.5 points a game roughly in 2013 to 73.5 or so in 2018. I don't know what the numbers are for this year, but they they ascended in each of the previous three years, and they and and the, and the first of those three years was a huge jump when they started to enforce these rules. Mike, always a pleasure. Completely appreciate it, and we appreciate you. Okay, thanks very much, Steve. You bet, Mike DeCourcy. Sporting news, BTN. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570 286 5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Well, it's been another interesting day, huh? Between Tony Knopp and Mike DeCourcy. Great job by Sean, as always. Sean makes all of this happen. He, he He's the one that gets all the guests. He's the one that makes uh, everything tick around here. The trains run on time because of one guy. Very kind of you, sir. Appreciate that. Hey, subscribe to our podcast if you missed the interviews today. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, Google Play, search Steve Jones Show, hit subscribe, then you're good to go. We send the show straight to you so you're not wasting time looking for them. And we don't want to want anybody wasting time. No. Um, so we don't want that to happen, ever. Uh, we also want to make sure the show is worthwhile listening to. We just don't, I, I, you know me, I don't like doing the simple stuff. Uh, I feel like I'm wasting everybody's time just doing the simple stuff. Uh, you know, well, you know. Who's on the bubble? Like, oh, whatever. We'll get to that next week. Okay, we'll get to that next week. Uh, but, you know, talking about business, talking about where everything's going, talking about the roadblocks that can exist, talking about social media, talking about fatigue by officials uh, in college basketball at the end of a season, talking about, you know, where sport's going to be in five years. These are all important things because they look for you, the fan. We're talking about something that affects you, the fan. Now, what's the effect of gambling? What's the effect on social media? What's the effect on. You know, there's so many different areas to talk about instead of the, the simple, well, I, you know, I think they ought to retain them. What about you? Let's take your calls. Can't wait to hear. <laughs> it's like, we don't do that. And Sean lines up all the guests. He. he does everything he just looks over and basically says okay idiot <laughs> this is who we have today oh, okay, minus, thank no, you. minus the idiot part <laughs> well that's because you know you're too nice not to say it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so what's a key or, key or two to the rock fight tonight oh man you, first of all you have to be a really good defensive rebounding team 
Rutgers averages nearly 13 offensive rebounds a game. I think Penn State needs to utilize its speed in a game like this. Rutgers, believe it or not, in terms of pure height, is the third largest team in the country. In terms of pure height. And, but, remember, you're big, I'm small, I'm quick, you're slow. Well, Rutgers is not a very quick team. And that's why I think that when you look at the game tonight, Penn State's speed is going to be a difference maker in the game. If Rutgers gets into this offensive rebounding game and the rock fight part, now Penn State's going to have to fight back. This is going to be another one of those. Rutgers plays very well here. I think it's going to be another one of those four to six point games tonight. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app. 